I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about the, the power of thought. Power of thought. I'm not talking about mental ability or, or being able to increase your IQ or, or power of positive thinking. I am talking to you about the power of thought. And we're going to be reading out of Romans chapter 8, if you would like to turn there. Uh, let me ask you a question. What, what do you think is the greatest battlefield in the world today? Or throughout history? You, you know, you may say, well, it's one of the battles that we've had throughout time, maybe in Tours, France in 732, when, when Charles Martel, the hammer, uh, took 20,000 men and defeated 50,000 Muslims that were just bent on bringing Islam to Europe. Perhaps you think it was uh, Lexington Concord, or, or perhaps you, you may look at Gettysburg and say, well, that, that was a, a battle of battles. Or perhaps you look at D-Day and say, that is, is the battle of all battles. But, but if you look out through history and, and you look at, at all of the, the wars that have happened and all the battles that have taken place, all of them pale in comparison to the greatest battlefield that you will ever ever experience. I've seen some of them. I've seen where some of the battles have, have taken place, but everything compares to the battle that goes on in your mind. The battlefield of your mind is the greatest battlefield that you will ever experience. Because the scripture tells us as we think, that's how we are. And, and our mind is being fought to be governed by one of two uh, voices in our, in our head. One of them is the carnal mind, and the other one is, is the Spirit of Christ. If you are a Christian, uh, you know that the Spirit of Christ will speak to you. The Holy Spirit is to lead us and to guide us into all truth. And, and I mentioned last week that that the greatest power in the world is God and the second greatest is the will of man because God will not make you do anything and the devil can't make you do anything. But the reason why the adversary attacks us, and if you look at even in Genesis in the garden, the scripture tells us that the adversary always attacks us through the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, or the pride of life. Through one of those avenues, everything comes against us, and they're all designed to target our carnal nature, our human nature. Our human nature is the one that tries to exalt itself above God. But if you're a child of God, if you know Jesus Christ, if the Holy Spirit is residing in you, you don't have just one voice you're listening to, but the Spirit of God is speaking to you as well. The Spirit of God is trying to get you to follow His voice so that you will live according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. Whatever voice you listen to is going to govern your mind. Your mind will determine who you are, what you do, and where you end up. If you look at the scripture in Romans 8, he said, therefore, here's Paul, and he's talking about, about Christians, those that have surrendered their life to Christ. He says, therefore, because you have done this, there is now no condemnation. I love that word condemnation. It just simply means there's no judgment against you for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. He's saying, I want you to really look at this for a moment. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And, and let's go on, because this is really a powerful passage of Scripture. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. Notice the law. He's talking about the Ten Commandments. He's talking about the Old Testament law. It wasn't weak itself. It was weak because of the carnal nature, because the law was perfect. The law w was written by, by God, and and. It was the human nature, it was our carnal nature that was weak and, and caused us to be sinners because we could not live up to the law. There was nothing wrong with the law, there was something wrong with us. Are you with me? For what the law was powerless to do. Why? Because it was weakened by the flesh. God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. So here's Christ, sinless. The only person that has had no sin, that has never done any wrong and lived up to the law. Did not fail. He was not weak, but was strong and was able to be an offering for our sin and fulfilled the law. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. Are you ready? Who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And here is that battlefield. Are we going to live according to the flesh, or are we going to live according to the Spirit? I want you to realize he's talking to Christians He's talking to Christians that, that you can know Christ, you can have Christ, you can have the Spirit of Christ in you, and yet you can also follow your flesh. Here's what the Scripture tells us about that. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. And that makes sense, doesn't it? If you're living according to flesh, you're, you're listening to your flesh and you're following what your flesh wants. Flesh just simply means it's that voice inside of you. Let me give you an example of what flesh is. Flesh is when, when that person uh, on the interstate wants to, to get in between because they're, you know, the, the merge lane, and you see them coming up, and you think that they're, taking, they're, they're trying to cheat to get in line, so you push up really fast to don't let them in. You ever do that? I felt, you know, I try to tell myself I'm the righteousness of God at that point. And trying to help them out but the reality is is i think they're wrong so i don't want them to do it but that's that's our nature that's our our flesh lets us know or think about what we want to do and so it says those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires okay so now you have these two the flesh desires and the spirit desires and then look at the last part. The mind governed by the flesh is death. Governed. You ever, you ever a governor? A governor controls. He regulates. 
You ever, you ever rent a truck or something like that and had a governor on it? I rented one moving to California years ago, U-Haul truck. We were out in Nebraska, and I went to turn on the air conditioner, and the whole thing fell on the floor. Uh, and uh, so it had a governor on it, and I, and I realized that it, you could only do like 60 miles an hour. So, and, and if you have a full load on a truck and you're trying to go up a hill, you're not going to hit 60 at all. So, so what you had to try to do is, is when you're going downhill, try to get as going as fast as you can so you can barely make it up the next hill. That was a governor. It was keeping me from going as fast as I wanted to go. Here's what the scripture is saying, that if your mind is governed or controlled by the flesh, it's death. In fact, every, everything that the flesh does leads to death. That's why if, if I have ill feelings towards somebody, it's because I'm allowing my flesh to lead, and my flesh is governing me, and it's, a, it's allowing me to have these thoughts. I'm dwelling on these thoughts, and I, and I have developed this attitude towards somebody that's not godly. It always leads to death. No matter, no matter what it is, flesh always goes down, but if we're following the Spirit, we're always going up. We're going to get into that in just a moment. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life. In other words, if your mind is governed by the Spirit, then everything you're thinking about is going to bring life. It's going to bring hope. It's going to bring encouragement. It's going to be able to, to, be able to encourage others, to lift others up, to bless others. You're going to think the best of others and not the worst of others. The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. You know, it, it's been said, it, it's nice to be able to lay down at night and know that you have nothing against anybody. You can sleep really well. You know, when you, when you, when you lay down at night and you know you haven't cheated anybody, you haven't done anything, you, you, you can get a good night's sleep. When we follow the Spirit when we're listening to the Spirit's voice in our life, it not only leads to life, not only our life, but it brings life to those that are around us. When we are following the Spirit's voice, it brings life and it brings us peace. That you know, that you know, that you know that it is well with your soul. And there is nothing Nothing that can transplant or take the place of the understanding, the knowledge, and the inner peace that comes from the harmony of walking with Christ and knowing that you and Christ are, are united, that there's nothing, nothing between you, that there's no difference, that you're not arguing with Him, you're not wrestling with the flesh, but you have denied the flesh and you're following after the Spirit and you're, and you're doing good to those that despitefully use you. You're, you're loving your neighbor as yourself. You are fulfilling the law through following the Spirit, it brings such a peace to your heart and to your life that it's unspeakable. It's joy. I, don't, I, I can't describe it to you. I wish I could. You know, how, you know what it is. If you've been there, you're saying amen. I, there's something about when you're following God, not just in letter, but in spirit, when you're really loving your neighbor because you really want to love them, 
you're caring for those around you because you really want to care. When there's something about when you're laying down your own personal agenda and you pick up the cross of Christ, there's something about it that just transforms us. Now, it, the scripture says that the carnal nature brings death. Outside, the world, we see it. But inside, uh, inside those with Christians, it, it brings death as well. It brings death. Uh, Abraham tried to, to follow his flesh and tried to fulfill God's will his way, and it caused confusion and destruction and chaos. The Aaron's two sons tried to, tried to worship God and, and bring uh, incense and, and, and offer praise and worship to God in, according to their own desire and not according to God's will, and God struck them dead. And there's something amazing about that if you, if you read about it in, in Leviticus, because God told him, he said, now take those two incense that, that they were offering incense, which represented the praise to God, because they were trying to praise on their own and not, not praise according to what God wanted them to do. And they said, take those two incense and smash them flat against the rocks. Because God wanted everybody to know that you can't, worship him in any other way but in spirit and in truth god god wants us to to worship him and we said last week it's it's not because he wants to uh, to hurt us or to or to keep us down but he is wanting to be close and intimate with us so so today i would i would say that you know we need to focus on which one are we following are we following the Spirit of God? Or are we following our own? I was looking at the 12 spies that went across and they looked at the promised land. God had already gave, it, gave the land to them and they just sent out these spies. And, and 10 came back and they were nervous and they were worried and they were following the flesh and they said, we can't do it because they were looking at what, what they had to do through their own ability and they said, we can't do it. But it was Joshua and Caleb that weren't looking at what they had to accomplish through their own ability, but through the promises of God. See, the promises of God allow you to have faith and hope and encouragement. I, I was reading a story today about the, the, uh, the soccer team in Taiwan that's, that's trapped in the cave. Anybody read that? Oh, man, it's just, I guarantee you that's going to be a movie. It'll probably be on Hallmark, but it's going to be a movie. And, and, and we're going to pray for a good ending, and it's, and it's going to be amazing. But I was reading an article written by a, by a medical doctor, and, and he was talking about how, how the spirit of the boys was really good. And he, and he said there's, there's two things that they're, they're worried about. He said they, they want to make sure that, that they have courage because they're going to have to probably snorkel out, and it's going to take about four hours. And there's some areas through those caves that are so narrow that they're going to have to, that the, the person has to let go of their backpack, their oxygen, and swim through and pick up another one and go. And these, some of these boys don't even know how to swim. We need to pray for them. But this, this guy who was writing, he said, he, said, he said, the thing that concerns them the most is they want to keep them full of courage and not full of fear. But he said, because courage and fear cannot exist in the brain at the same time. You have one or the other. One or the other is going to dictate. 
And they said they're, that they're, they were optimistic because the boys were courageous. And, and they said some of the things that they had working for them was that they are used to working as a team. And they're unified. Man, I started thinking about that. I wonder if the 12 spies would have worked as a team. Israel would have gone in 40 years earlier. There's power in, in our thought. But who's controlling our thought? Fear is designed of the adversary. Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. If we're following the Spirit of the Lord, we have a diminishing fear within us. But I'm not saying that I'm not saying that you will have like absolutely no fear at all, because sometimes that courage is is not necessarily just the absence of fear, but it's doing what you need to do in spite of the fact that there's fear. That you're wrestling with both and you're saying, I'm going to step out and I'm going to follow the Lord. It's, it's amazing. So, so, I know you're about to ask me, you know, well, Pastor, well, how, how do we overcome? How do we start walking in the Spirit? How do we live in the Spirit? And I'm really glad you wanted to ask that because I have an answer for you. And, and it's great. Here's what the Scripture says. Well, we're going to finish reading. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. Wow. Have you ever thought that when we're following our own fleshly desires, that we're actually hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. He's talking about Christians. Not just those that don't know Him, but those that do. If we're following after our own desires, we cannot please God. And I know you well enough that we want to please the Lord. So how do we do that? The very first thing is in Romans, in Romans 12, it says, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in the view of God's mercy of all that he has done for us to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. He's saying your own desire, your carnal nature, your desires, your aspirations, everything that you want to achieve Set it aside. Give it to God and say, God, it's not what I want. It's what you want. It's where you want me to go. It's what you want me to say. It's who you want me to love. It's who you want me to forgive. It's what you want me to do. Whatever it is, I am willing to do it. I am laying down my ambitions, my desires, my goals, everything that I would want to do to achieve. I'm laying down the ability to feel hurt when somebody says something to me because it's not my will, but yours. See, when you're talking about your, your, living, your, your body as a living sacrifice, you're not just talking about this flesh and where you go and what you say and what you do, but you're also talking about your, your attitudes and actions and conduct and character. Everything that that the flesh would want us to do, you're saying, God, here it is, I'm following after you. So I urge you, he says, I'm begging you. The Apostle Paul, the mighty Apostle Paul saying, I beg you, in view of God's mercy, of all that he he has withheld from us, offer your bodies, your, your carnal desires to God, your bodies, everything that you would do, and as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, and this is your proper worship. What you're saying is, it's not my way, it's your way. I am not going to follow the flesh, nor is the flesh going to dictate my thoughts, but I'm going to follow the Lord. 
Say, if, if I'm following the flesh and somebody says something to me, I'm going to say something back. If they slap me, I'm going to slap them back. But the scripture says, turn the other cheek. Two opposing views, two opposing thoughts. One is our desire, the other is the spirit of the Lord. Which one are we following? So present your body. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Look at that, renewing of your mind. We, we are washed by the Word of God, by, by following the presence of God, by listening to the voice of the Lord. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, and another they won't follow. Follow the voice of the Lord. And, and you say, well, how do you know the voice of the Lord? He'll, he'll, he'll speak to you in a way that you understand. And keep in mind, the Lord is always uplifting and edifying and encouraging. He's never going to go tell you to tell somebody else that you don't like the way they look. It's not the voice of the Lord. And look at this. He said, do not conform to the pattern of this world. In other words, don't follow your flesh, but follow the Spirit. And only when you're following the Spirit can you prove or test what God's will is. You can't test the will of God for your life when you're following the flesh. You can only test the will of God when you're following after Him. His good and pleasing and perfect will only comes when we have a passionate pursuit to follow Him. Then the second thing I would say is, is to bring your thoughts into control. Present your body, present how you would do things to God as a living sacrifice. And the other one is to bring your thoughts. Paul is saying we demolish arguments and every pretension that, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Have you, has anybody ever reached the point in their relationship with God that every thought they have is pure and holy? Because if you found that secret, let me know. That's not what Paul's saying. What Paul is saying is this. You're going to have the thoughts. But you don't have to act on them. You can bring them into captivity. You can say, I'm not dwelling on that. And you can reel it in and you can put it under subjection to the Spirit. You can allow yourself to have, to bring those thoughts into captivity, to bring them down and, and to allow Christ to reign. Because most of what we do is choice in life. We, we bring them into captivity to make it obedient to Christ, to the Holy Spirit, to, to the voice of the Lord in our lives. We make it obedient to Him. And he said, finally, brothers and sisters, and this is, what I, this is what I really like to do is you, you bring your thoughts into captivity and then it says, here's what to think about. I love, think about good things. Think about good things. And good things aren't necessarily marshmallow clouds and, you know, and all of that good stuff. But, but finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. 
Train, bring the other thoughts into captivity, but focus on the good things. Focus on the things of God. When we, when we surrender our life to the Lord, when we bring into captivity those thoughts that come into our mind and we put them under the subjection of Christ and we allow Christ to rule and reign in our life and we literally train our mind to follow the presence of God and the things in the Word of God, when we begin to, to think about the good things of life, that the glass isn't half empty, but it's half full, that that, that, that that person, when you look at that person, that that person isn't just sarcastic, but that person is in need of Christ. And, and, and it changes the whole dynamic of life when you begin to look at things from God's perspective. And that's what he is telling us. Look at things from from the perspective of, of Christ, when you look at people, you don't, you don't look at it for what they're saying. You look at them for what is behind what they're saying, and you begin to minister to them, and amazing things happen when we train our thoughts to focus on the things of God. Wow. Which one are we going to listen to? The voice of the Lord... I'm going to ask our, our praise team to come back. Uh, the voice of the Lord or the voice of the flesh? You know, I've mentioned it a lot about being, uh, I, you know, we're, we're justified when we give our life to Christ. And in between that time and the time he comes back, we're being sanctified. We're being set apart for him. We're becoming more and more like him. And that's where we are right now. And we have that, that, that voice of the spirit in us. We have the voice of the flesh in us. And but when the Lord comes back, we're going to be glorified that that, that voice of the carnal nature is going to be removed from us. I want you to think about that for a moment. Can you imagine no longer having to have this wrestling match, no longer having to struggle with who's in control and what thoughts you're thinking, because when the Lord comes back, we're going to be transformed to be like him, that this sinful nature is going to be transformed and we will be like the Lord. Oh, I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. Because sometimes I get tired of trying to think the good thoughts and sometimes tired of trying to wrestle and bring all those thoughts into captivity and thinking about the good things. And I'm looking forward to that day that, that we no longer have to deal with that. But in the meantime, while we're here and we've been justified, we've been made right in the eyes of God through the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross, and, 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 and now we have this opportunity to walk in, in a new life, in, in, a, in a new mindset, with a new heart and a new spirit. Can I encourage you today, if you're wrestling with, with, with thoughts that you know are not what you need to be thinking about, would you bring them in ca into captivity? Would you bring them in and say, Lord, this is not what I want to think about. I don't want to look at, at my brother or sister and have ill will. I don't want to look at, at that situation with a negative spirit. So, Lord, I am bringing those into captivity, and I am following you. I will promise you this, and I can promise you it because it's in the Word of God. When we follow after and we listen to the voice of the Lord, it will bring life into you, to your situation, to those around you. It speaks hope. It speaks encouragement. It speaks beauty. 
and it will give you a peace. A perfect peace. That no matter what you're going through or what you're facing, you can say, it is well with my soul. Would you stand with me?